This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. It's into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Adnowski on here, as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Just made... Uh, like a, a Chinese chicken wrap sandwich for dinner that was very, very successful. My wife's very happy with me. Oh, nice. Are you a cook? No, but I I pulled something off. I don't know. I pulled something off. I had a very interesting uh, thought of a question right before we started this, actually. If, hypothetically, if, if, uh, if you had to cook a meal for Gordon Ramsay and he was going to critique you, what is the food that you're cooking? Um, I feel like I've heard this question before, and I don't really have a good answer. I think it – no, I would get slaughtered, but my best meal is like a chicken parmesan. Okay. But it's no, there's no way I'm going to get the pasta right. Like, even though it feels basic, I feel right. like he knows pasta. And I'll right, that's me. I have to do – you have to do something basic, I feel like, you know, unless you're like really a top-tier cook, which is not me. Like, I'm going with scrambled eggs, you know. I'll do my scrambled eggs perfect, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm going basic scrambled eggs. I almost wonder if going too basic will get you graded more harshly, just because True. like he we don't know the difference between like the 20th percentile scrambled egg and like the 99th percentile scrambled egg. But I feel True. like he he could break that down for you. Have you uh, do you watch Hot Ones at all? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there was Gordon Ramsay one. And literally at the end, they ask him to make scrambled eggs. Like the guy, Sean, the interviewer or whatever, wants to learn to make the perfect scrambled eggs. And that is my – like I make eggs every single morning. Eggs are my shit. And, uh, yeah, so maybe it's a little bit of a cop-out that I, I feel like I already have his methods here. <laughs> you know, I've been doing something – or Kate's been doing it more than I have, but um, we kind of came up with the idea together from watching some TikTok video – where it's you you scramble a couple of eggs and you put them in a pan and you let them kind of cover the bottom of the pan and uh, use a big pan and you put one of those big flour tortillas on top of the eggs and then you flip it and you fill it with cheese and you cut it in half so it's like a, it's an egg quesadilla but like a, yeah it's cheese and eggs inside a tortilla it comes out really well. That is really interesting. That sounds pretty good. And this was a TikTok idea. Yeah, it just, it's been like floating around TikTok. You just kind of let the eggs settle into a big circle right at the bottom of the pan. Sprinkle some cheese to get the tortilla to stick when you slap it on there. And you just flip it, add more cheese, fold it in half, done. Interesting. Interesting. I might have to try this and go back to you. It's good. It's, it's, if you're an egg guy, it's, it's a solid option. Definitely an egg guy. Um, and... Other thing I want to ask you about, uh, obviously, this, this last dance doc that's going on, man. So have you caught the four episodes that have gone? Did we talk about the first two? I don't think we did. Me either. Um, did you catch the four? 
Yeah, I've seen I'm current on on the dock. I'm very excited, looking forward to the next ones. I know that allegedly, like the next ones, get more into maybe some of Jordan's uh, more questionable behavior. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. Yeah, so I just wasn't that educated on on Jordan. I guess like I didn't realize all the drama that was behind this year. I could never imagine a GM coming out like, you know, what if, like, Bob Myers came out and he's like, yep, we're uh, letting go of Steph or uh, Steve Kerr at the end of next season, and uh, Steph Curry had just said that I'm only playing for Steve Kerr. Like, I just can't believe that Jerry Krause did this. It's ridiculous. I had no clue that this went on. The whole Pippen thing, delaying his surgery, I did not realize there was all this drama behind the scene. It's really a different world. Uh, it's nuts to think about. Like, even just seeing it, the game clips, like, they look ancient, don't they? Like, they look yeah. like ancient games. And this is late 90s, but, yeah, no, like, to be fair, I missed the Jordan thing myself. Like, I – my earliest memories were watching him, but those – like, that's not – like, I'm not, like, understanding what I'm seeing. I just yeah. know that he's – I just want his poster and, you know, the shoes and all that. I was – I think so when this was this is ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. So I was yeah, like nine, uh, maybe. I mean you probably weren't even born. Year I was born, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I like vaguely remember a little bit of Wizards Jordan, which is uh not Jordan, obviously, from my understanding. Uh but yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely a it's an interesting doc to uh to say the least. I really enjoy watching, like, the first episode or the first two when they get into, like, Jordan's rookie year. That's – I wish that I was around for that. Like, he just has so much swag as, like, a rookie. It was so impressive. Uh, and that I definitely, definitely was too young for all that. Yeah. And, man, he was, like, still mad at Isaiah Thomas. Like, man has not let this go. <laughs> It's crazy to also think that he's a current owner of a team. Right, right. And like, like that is not the vibe you get from this guy in this documentary. No. And, like, with how competitive he is, it, it's crazy how bad, like, Charlotte has been under him, you know? Yeah, it's been a horror show. Yeah, so. Um, but for today's episode, I uh, stole this idea with permission from a uh, different pod on the Blue Wire network the okc pod it's uh the uncontested podcast and they did a interesting segment on uh which players that each of the guys on their roster should study during this during this hiatus um i i mean maybe off season whatever it ends up being um but for example you know you would want or uh just last off season you saw De'Aaron fox said that he was studying kimball walker's um playmaking. I mean, that was because they happened to be playing together at Team USA. Um, but what players would you want De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, different guys on the Sacramento roster to be watching, studying, and taking pieces from other guys' games? Yeah, so do you want to go player by player and just, just yeah. name, like, does it have to be an active player? Like their current... That's interesting. It doesn't have to be. I did active players, but it doesn't have to be. Um, okay, I will. We do you want to start with Fox? Yeah, I think I think the youngest ones are going to be the um, the mo- most interesting ones here. Um, uh, we're just trying to name like guys they could learn from, or like a skill that they could reasonably develop. You can't take say Rajon Holmes and be like, oh, he should study the Carl Anthony Towns three point right. shooting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um. For for Fox, I mean, the first one I thought of is. Okay, I want him to learn to control his pace, to have multiple different speeds. And there's a couple different guys that come to mind. I would mentioned Damian Lillard to you before, but I think um, one of the best ones, and and I like Lillard because he has that explosiveness as well, um, but I think Kimball Walker does a really good job of changing pace. And I I think Fox could could really learn from that. Um, And then obviously the other two guys that you kind of look at that as well, um, is Russell Westbrook and John Wall just using that speed and and changing the gear that you're in? It's interesting. We've brought up Kemba a couple times now, and uh, I wanted to actually bring up Kemba for Fox for his three point shooting. And maybe it maybe that's a bridge too far, but 
I went back and looked at Kemba's early career shooting numbers, and they're pretty similar to Fox. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so like going back to his his first four seasons, Kemba Walker, uh, he attempted an average of four threes a game, and he only connected on 31.8% of those, and that's pretty close to what where Fox is at right now. Um, like relatively low volume, you know, 32-ish percent from three. I wonder, I mean, and now obviously Kemba is pretty confident. He really got close to 40% on the year uh, with 7.6 attempts per game back in 2016-17. Now he's really ramped the volume way, way up. He's around nine threes a game. Um, But, yeah, I mean, even if he was able to hit at like a 35% rate and, I don't know, five or six attempts a game, that would be W's really massive for Fox. Yeah, and a lot of Kemba's threes come out of a pick and roll. I mean, you see um, Boston. Boston obviously does it all the time. They're running a high pick and roll with him, and and if the big's dropping, I mean, Kemba takes one dribble and is shooting the three right behind the guy that's screening for him. And obviously, we want um, Darren Fox to be the initiator here and running a pick and roll. We mentioned it with Bagley. If Bagley's rolling to the rim. It'd be great if Fox could hit that pull-up three coming right off a screen. Um, so I, I'm 100% there. Um, another guy I threw in here was was James Harden with foul drawing. I, I mean, Fox is already great at that. Um, but I, I think just honestly getting more bullshit calls and, and just learning how to bait the whistle a little bit more, which he's doing well, but I think he could just keep getting better at it. Yeah, I don't want him to go too far. I don't want him to be like full Harden unenjoyable. Right. Yeah. He obviously won't be, but yeah, no, I, I, and I wonder, like, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Where, like, do you become a star by milking the whistle, or do you get the whistle after you become a star kind of thing? Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, and Fox is starting to get it a little bit for sure. And then, yeah, I mean, I felt like I, I kind of had to include, like, Westbrook and John Wall just because they're super similar players. Um, and I don't know if it's unfair to say the playmaking of Russell Westbrook. Um, so I, I guess I said more of the, the gravity and exploiting that gravity when you're able to successfully drive. Um, and, and, yeah, so the vision of that a little bit. And then for John Wall, I went with some, some crafty finishes. I, I think that Fox could... I, Wall seemed to avoid contact almost a little bit more than going into it. And Fox does go through guys, but I think he could get a little bit better at avoiding it and getting a little crafty with his finishes at times. Sure. Um, who, who would you have, who would you want to do next? Um, what do you think of, uh, let's go with Buddy Heald, yeah? Yeah, did you have someone in mind for him? I don't know that I have a particular player in mind, but... Yeah, I think the easiest one was, I, I mean, super basic. It's just Clay Thompson, Clay off-ball Thompson. movement. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and maybe this was difficult because, uh, I mean, there's a couple guys where I thought some off-ball stuff would be helpful, and part of that, I mean, you point towards the system. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think just effectively moving off-ball, squaring up quickly, coming off screens, I think that could be really helpful for Buddy. Um, and then the one other one that was interesting to me is I just wanted him to be more basic in a pick and roll, just not try to do too much. Um, like I thought of really simple guys that like even weirdly Terry Rozier, Seth Curry, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, guys that aren't good passers necessarily, like they're average, but they know that they're average and they're not trying to do too much, so they're not turning it over. Yeah, um, yeah. Clay is like the typical comparison I think that people bring up for Buddy Heald, and it is like a pie in the sky comparison a little bit. Like he, we just we won't get the level of defense and the the level of like off ball movement that you're describing. I don't think we'll ever see that from Buddy. But yeah, um, anyone in that ilk, anyone in that like more three and D type of like he needs the he needs the defense side of that, you know? Yeah, which yeah, I, I I'm not exactly sure who uh who he could watch for that one. Um 
You can name like almost any competent defensive right. guard, and it's like you, like he could probably learn a little bit from him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. I'm trying to think of like who are some of the the highest volume three point shooters, and like I mean even. Hmm. It's like a Joe Harris. You're really reading my mind today. Yeah, I was, <laughs> you really are. Uh, but I don't know that Joe Harris is like a better player than Buddy Hield. I, I think he's like maybe maybe. It's, I wanted to also kind of get towards a mentality thing of is there a player that we could talk about who maybe has that singular skill but isn't gonna isn't gonna. I, I I'm not like against him advocating for himself, but maybe isn't going to rile up discussion of possible trade requests and unhappiness yeah. with ca- uh, contract offers. I, I just, it would be nice. I was going to save this one for Marvin Bagley, but I was going to say something like, you know, Marvin Bagley could study the way that Rashawn Holmes conducts himself and where his, <laughs> like, where his ego level is at, where, you know, just, like, the humility of a Rashawn Holmes type player. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I also thought of, you know, just super six-mans, like, accepting that role. Like, just even look at Ginobili. Um, and, and obviously that's, like, an extreme of a super six-man, but guys that are just willing to be uh, coming off the bench and still closing games. Did you catch, uh, by the way, the Sam Amick article that came out today about the whole Walton-Buddy situation and kind of just checking in on – um, there was, you know, obviously all the drama. I think the article title was Trouble in King's Landing earlier in the year, but it was a follow-up on that. Um, no, I have not gotten a chance to read it. There wasn't much to it, really. It was just Walton saying that uh, that he felt like the year was a success because of them being uh, more – they they just were piecing it together at the end. Um, and obviously I'm super hesitant with that because of things we've said before of a schedule that seems harder than it actually was because of injuries and things like that um, for opposing teams. Certain guys were out. Um, but, yeah, it seemed to be saying that uh, Walton and Vlade were likely to stick around for next year. Um, yeah, that I did see. I, I think I got yeah. the, main, the main notes out of it, but – yeah, I mean, it just feels like nothing is really going to be gained from this past season. Like, it feels like a season that's going to be kind of thrown away. And whether or not it's literally thrown away like the rest of it or not, it's like not no decisions are going to be made on it. It was a really strange year for a number of different reasons, but it doesn't feel like you could – you can't make the decision to fire Blade and Walton based on it now. Yeah, I would agree. And a part of that to me is because, I mean, you just don't want continuous turnover for, for these guys on the roster. Right, and you don't want to pay two coaches or two executives right now when there's all this concern about money lost with uh, no fans at games and stuff. Right, right. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? It's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on all tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for 20% off your first order. Yeah, so then if we moved uh, to uh, to Bogey, and um, I mean a super easy one to that comp we've been making forever is are you saying Ginobili? No, I, well I I, I I told you this earlier actually the Bogey and Holmes could sit together watch Lou Will Montrezl Harrell. 
Like we literally have said, I think they, they, they can be that dominant pick and roll duo in the second unit. Like bogey could learn to just be a little bit more patient on these pick and rolls. I also had CJ McCollum for bogey because I just, I, I try to think who really snakes the pick and roll really well. Who's patient. Um, and, and bogey already is, but I think he could just get a little bit more, a, a better understanding to, to the pick and roll. And, and getting a, ke- a chemistry going with Holmes the same way that Montrez has with Lou Will. I think watching those guys together could be really helpful for him. So it's interesting, though, that you're going with the second unit there. Does that mean that you want Bogey and Holmes to come off the bench? Um, not necessarily. Like, I, I do like the the Buddy coming off the bench, obviously. I think that was... That was successful. I like Bogey in that starting lineup. But if I had to pick someone that was going to be this duo with Holmes, um, I, I think that Bogey probably makes the most sense. You know, I, I think that Fox obviously could be capable as well, but I don't really want Buddy running the pick and roll with him. And I think that those would be Bogey and Holmes would be the two guys that could really uh, benefit each other the most running that. Yeah, I think, I mean, as of right now, it feels like, you that unit would work best as starters, but um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the same thing applies, just depending on. I mean, if you're going to start Holmes and Bogey, which was, I think, the plan to end the year at least. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, the same thing could be said. You could still take that that chemistry and take that duo and try to learn from it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I will say that Ginobili has been a pretty classic comparison for Bogey for a while. Uh, you know, regardless, outside of the white European, you know, craftiness <laughs> and the skill and the um, the inventiveness and then the sixth man of it all. Um, but, yeah, then, I mean, you know, also just looking at the numbers, like, they're pretty, like, the stat, the stats come out pretty similar between the two guys. Like, Ginobili was never a volume three-point shooter necessarily, but he also was in a different era where, you know, I mean, he averaged uh, – Career shook out around 37% from three, you know, kind of a 14, four and four kind of guy, which it feels like Bogey could end up in that same spot. Also, you know, they came out um, a little bit later, 25 years old. I think, I think Bogey was 25 as well. So um, a lot of things line up mm-hmm. there. Yeah. What, what aspect of Bogey's game would you want to see him most uh, like improving on this off season? It's, a, it's something you kind of mentioned before, but, like, the acceptance or commitment to being a six-man, to being, you know, to accepting that role and having no issue with it. We don't see him agitating for a starting role, but we also hear, like, through back channels that um, he would prefer to start. And, I you know, I feel like we could say everyone would prefer to start, but at the same time, you know, there are guys like Ginobili out there that it just never – seem to be an issue and maybe that is because you know he's on a championship team but um accepting that role and then perfecting it where it's you know that this guy is just as every bit as dangerous as a starter um and yeah I mean I don't know it's tough though because again like Bogey started for a lot of this season for the best stretch of the season so yeah I don't know it's tough also, I didn't come up with any, but in it, because I only thought of this right before we had we had started this. But if you if at any point you think of who you would want them to watch, so that way they do not replicate what that guy is doing, let me know because that would be interesting as well. Um, and then uh, let, let's do Bagley a little bit here. I think Bagley's going to be interesting. Um, I, I'm curious what you think about this for for running the floor. I, I think that Bagley could get could get better at this and and, and just obviously move, moving down there a little bit quicker in transition and filling lanes. What do you think of learning from a, a guy he probably already took a little bit from, Willie Cauley-Stein, in running in transition? Mm. It's so weird to say learning from Willie Cauley-Stein, but uh, I, I mean, that's the one area where I felt like Willie really was successful, you know? I'm not sure that Bagley isn't successful at that, though. I don't know if he... Yeah, I don't know if he's like any worse at it. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It, it feels like he's kind of got that down. Like mm-hmm. he's big and athletic and long and quick and smooth. 
Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have any issues with the way that he finishes plays in transition right now. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I tried to, like, I mean, Giannis feels obvious, but, again, that's just way too much. But I think there's portions of it where you could just look at how he uses his length. Um, and, and look at earlier Giannis when he was weaker and see, I mean, how the strength helped him, first of all, and maybe that inspires you to put on a little bit of muscle there, but just how to really use that length that you have. And, and I also think that um, Bagley has some of the agility, not the same level as Giannis, but he has some of that as well. Yeah, I don't see it. I I know that you have used the Giannis comparison before. I don't see it. But again, like Giannis, rookie Giannis looks nothing like current Giannis. So... Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just Giannis feels like such a such such a fluid athlete. There's no herky jerkiness to his game. Like he feels compact uh, in his movements. He feels undeniable and strong. Bagley feels like he flails a little bit, but like again, like if he were to put on that weight, that would help. I just can't imagine him being that efficient. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, and then I, I, I try to think of who he could look at for uh, for some rebounding here. And, again, like I, I was trying to think of guys that had – I've got more, one. Who do, you, who do you got? I've got one that this is the really weird one, and it's like this is ultimate pie in the sky. But uh, going back to the last dance, I <laughs> thought about Dennis Rodman. And just because, like, if you want to talk about the – league's best offensive rebounders. Um, like, Rodman was it, you know what I mean? Like, he averaged, like, six offensive rebounds a game some seasons, and it is extremely valuable to create a possession out of nothing, especially to keep a possession alive. And when he does get an offensive rebound, that's, like, one of the most efficient plays you can possibly get is, like, Bagley gets the ball back, and the defense is out of time and out of rhythm, and he's right right under the bucket, like, that's, you know, in most scenarios, that's, like, that's two points. I mean, that's going to be a really, really high points per play situation. So, um, I mean, I guess you would want him to be a little bit more like that on defense, but it's more like the concept of you see a guy like Rodman and you see that he was so willing to be a role player. I wonder if this is going to be against what a lot of people want from Bagley, but I would like him to be more of a role player because I do worry about him ever being an efficient number, like top two option. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. In in regards to the rebounding, I definitely obviously see the Rodman one, uh, elite rebounder. Um, The one I ended up going with for offensive rebounding was Mitchell Robinson because I felt like he was the most similar to Bagley in regards to it's not using just overwhelming strength to get your position because Bagley doesn't quite have that right now. Um, so I, I just thought of guys that are using athleticism to really get those boards, and he's not all too far off from where Mitchell Robinson is with that. Um, but but just being in better positioning, I, I think, was the main thing for Bagley here because he gets it pretty much because of his athleticism, and it's the positioning that really needs to improve for his rebounding to where he could become – a top five rebounder in the league. Yeah, I mean, his wingspan is listed at 7-1, and you would think that that's good enough to be a good rebounding center. Um, you know, I mean, it's not elite or anything, like a Mitch Robb uh, 7-4 wingspan, but that, that's not a crazy difference. Right. Yeah, I, I think that uh, – I definitely think that one uh, could be interesting for Bagley there. Uh that was what I had for him there. Uh, you got anything else for him, or you want to move maybe Harry Giles, your guy? Um, I'll just mention like the, I'll just mention the the whole like humility thing. I would love, I would love Marvin Bagley to like suddenly become this guy that at least like on camera in in the locker room at least appears to be like only cares about the team. You know, is desperate to get back on the court. Will do whatever it takes. Um, doesn't kind of drop these weird. It just feels weird sometimes. Like 
when he's talking about people doubting him and he's like wearing the chain and he's talking about you know keep that same energy and stuff like it would be really cool if like I mean you can totally have the chain and stuff but I don't know like put it on after you leave the, the arena and I don't know just talk about how much you want the team to win how much you want the yeah. team to succeed and talk a little bit less about yourself it, it would be pretty cool is it terrible to say to learn from Lonzo how to drop your dad yeah I mean that's <laughs> interesting yeah, um, for Giles, I felt like there were some pretty obvious ones for playmaking. I mean, Marcus Toll, um, I, I think just holding the ball above your head. Al Horford, I thought of making decisions in a short pick and roll. I mean, in a um, yeah, in a, out of a short roll. Jokic, maybe. Yeah, Jokic definitely there. Um, and uh, one that was really interesting, I, I think this could go to Bagley, Holmes, and Harry Giles. I think Nerlens Noel be just to not foul really like just being in the right position and he's not an overwhelming athlete or anything I think he's got a little bit of the skinniness that you see in kind of Bagley and Giles but just correct positioning and using your length and energy and athleticism to affect shots without fouling yeah Horford was like that as well Horford was uh like he had a, yeah. he had a season let's see like one of his all-star seasons um, you know, he averaged less than two fouls per 36 as a starting center. That's really good. It's really, yeah. really, I mean, that's a smart player. Yeah. And, um, and, and the other really interesting one for Giles for me was Kevin Love's outlet passing specifically. Uh, I think that, I mean, Harry Giles has some great passing to him, but I don't quite see the outlets from him uh, very yeah. it, all too often. And Kevin Love's ridiculous at that. I think Giles could get to that point. Yeah, I wonder if that's a little more like Giles will handle the ball a little bit more in transition, and like he makes a nice pass down at the end. But yeah, I mean maybe it's just an athleticism thing. Like Kevin Love isn't a super athlete, and sometimes he gets the board and just looks up, you know? Right. Right. Um. But yeah, those are uh that those are what I went with for Harry. I, I think pretty basic ones with. With the with the playmaking that you're gonna get from from the elbow, um, I have for Nemanja Bjelica. It's pretty obvious, but I, I put in Davis Bertans. Just really, I mean, using your range, and I think coming off of pin downs, you see Bertans do it a little bit more. Um, I, I think there's just little bits and pieces that Bjelica could take from Bertans, and just it, it would be just expanding on what he's already good at, really. Yeah, maybe someone that Bielitsa shouldn't look at is Jokic because it's like you see a guy that doesn't need to be in top physical shape to be successful. Maybe he should just get cut. <laughs> maybe he should look at Giannis, just get cut, bro. Just get like into the best <laughs> shape of your life and maybe it'll just prolong your career a little bit more. Right. Yeah, could you imagine a cut, just fit Bielitsa? Just a hard body Bielitsa. Right. It'd be, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Wow. Just comes out of the quarantine, just like like 1% body fat. <laughs> right? Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. Nobody would know how to react to that. Um, let's see, what else do I got here? Corey Joseph uh, is a weird one. I just said Patrick Beverly. Just be more annoying. Because, like, you have the defensive capabilities, but I think you could just annoy guys a little bit more than what you do. Yeah, maybe um, maybe he could learn a little bit from Shumpert as far as, like, a little more swagger, a little more veteran leadership. Like, he's going to be the vet in this on this team for another year. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, a, yeah, um, kind of just rile the guys up, like get him, get him behind Kojo because he does have the chops, like, I don't think we're expecting him to become a great offensive player all of a sudden, but he could just kind of like rally the troops a little more because he's kind of a – he's really, really, a really smart guy. And he is kind of a leader, but it's more of like a leader by example. Um, and you do see him talk a bit, but he, I feel like I want him to use that more and become that vocal leader um, where you do see it sometimes, but I think he could he could kind of cement himself in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that definitely would be interesting. It would definitely not be bad to have that uh, on the team again here. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. 
BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, and even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code BLUEWIRE to get your first order free. I didn't do anything for, for Bayes or Len, um, guys that might not be here next year. And it's also veteran guys. I don't know how much you expect them to uh, really be learning all too – I mean, you're still going to be learning and taking bits and pieces here and there. But I, I didn't uh, come up with any for them too. And then for Harrison Barnes, I, I had no clue. Like I spent a good 10 minutes trying to think of someone. I don't know what I want Barnes to do better. Like do you ha- – I mean – you have him look at his Dallas tape and just be like, yeah, don't ISO this much. Like, <laughs> we don't need you to do this much. Yeah, I mean, he's not really doing it as much. Um, he's right. kind of doing what you want. I who's the who's the player his size that he could reasonably learn to pass a little bit more like? Because I feel like that's one thing that he doesn't do. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I feel like Butler's maybe too much of a guard where. Mm-hmm. It's expected. Yeah, I don't know. He's not like a bad passer. It's just he doesn't. They, he, he doesn't use it that much, and that's sometimes because he's not involved in the play mm-hmm. all that often. Um, when he touches the ball, he's usually in a position to shoot it or just kind of kick it around and yeah, not look for like an interior pass. You know, interestingly, Kawhi. I mean, it's it's an extreme, but, like, they have a similar style where they're both just calm. They're not rushed in anything they're doing. They're doing a little bit of everything, um, and, and there's decent passing there. And then I thought of, like, drawing fouls a little bit more. I think he could yeah. make guys in a bit. And I thought of uh, DeMar DeRozan, even though it's a bit of a different player. Um, but just, like, if Harrison Barnes got a nasty pump fake that guys were falling for all the time, I, would, I mean, he already gets the line a good amount, but he could totally live there. Yeah. Um, no, I, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, someone who will just kind of get a little bit dirtier. I, like He's a really good spot-up guy. Like He's a good guy to put in the corner. But also maybe bring him inside a little more. Like if you need to break a run, um, like get him down the block. Like he's, he's shown he's pretty good in the post as well. We know that post-ups aren't super efficient for middle offense, but – just to get a guy that can get in there and get a bucket when he needs to, I feel like he could do that. Kind of like Zebo asking away, just where like he could just get down low and kind of kind of use his body to to at least get to the line when he needs to. Right, I think he could be able to do that. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of running out of these ones here, so uh, I'll throw a couple that kind of came to mind that I ended up like xing out. Like, what do you think of Marvin Bagley watching? Bam Adebayo with, like, the versatility. Like, do you think that Bagley could do a, a really common Bam play is just, you know, a fake dribble handoff and then turning and driving to the rim? I mean, do you think, like, Bagley has that capability? No. No? I think I'm out on Marvin Bagley. <laughs> that Yeah, I, I don't think that's, that's news. <laughs> I know it's, it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. I just am so low on Marvin Bagley and, like, I don't know, man. People are going to hate me for it, and it's I'm probably going to be wrong, which will be great if I'm wrong, but I, just <laughs> have such, I have such low hopes for Marvin right now. Like, I don't I don't see it. I don't see how it's going to work. I don't – like, guys like Bagley, they've got so far to go that it feels like the team's got to get worse to let them catch up. Like, if you want him to work on a shot, that's going to take time, and it's going to take – a bunch of bad looks, and mm-hmm. if you want him to work on his defense as a center, especially, that's going to take time, and it's going to take a lot of bad defensive possessions. I'm just worried. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's see. What else do I got? I have a – what? who would you want Fox to watch on the defensive end? Think of like a 
DeJounte Murray, I think, would be interesting. A young guy with a similar build and kind of athleticism. DeJounte's, like, mad long, isn't he? Isn't he, like, crazy long? Yeah, that's fair. He does have that going for him, for sure. Um, Um, 6'10 wingspan. Damn, really? Yeah. I did not realize, yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know who... Hmm... Who would who would benefit the most from learning to draw charges well? I was just gonna throw out there for like a defensive guy, like maybe like a uh, Conley. Um, well, okay. like, he's not like an elite defender, but he feels like a high effort, consistent, consistent effort defender. For sure. Yeah, I, I think Conley's a yeah Conley's a pretty good defender, but yeah, like you're saying, he's not some crazy impact or anything. Um, yeah. But he's definitely a positive defensively. I like that one. Like a younger. Yeah, younger Conley. Yeah. You know, um, Nemanja Bielica actually um, – oh, man, what's his name? Ilyasova. I think drawing charges like Ilyasova would be just great for Ilyasova. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, like that, yeah. that could be your defense. You Honestly. know, is just literally get in front of guys and draw some charges. Yeah, I actually like that a lot. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um I don't know what else I have here. I didn't go for any of, like, the young guys. Like, if you were talking about Kyle Guy. I was just going to say, what about, like, a Kyle Guy or Daquan Jeffries just to, like, throw throw a name out there? I mean, we kind of did it a little bit recently. Right. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Kyle Guy, like, you're thinking of movement shooters for the most part, right, that are low-usage guys. Um, is I mean, you just want to give him the same first name of Kyle Gorfer. Uh it's probably too too basic, obviously. Corver's a ridiculous shooter. Yeah, and Corver's like weirdly big and long as well. Mm-hmm. Um he, like he's kind of I think Clay is kind of in that I think Clay is like sneaky big and long. Yeah. A weird one, um I think Aaron Holiday on Indiana does a really good job of just, just shooting threes and utilizing that. He's not the same movement shooter. Um hmm. Like, is J.J. Redick maybe a guy yeah. you could try to get the, like, look at his frame. Look at how it kind of, like, he got stronger and, and like, thicker and heavier every year. Right. I feel like as a pro, and that's kind of what, get towards, like, the physical profile of a, of a Redick. Mm-hmm. They're, they're similar size, like, as far as height and wingspan. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, who's to say that, I mean, Duncan Robinson's really interesting. You know, play probably played against him in, in G uh, – no, maybe didn't play against him in G League for a little while, but it, it'd be a similar story, you know, where, I mean, you just literally – all we want you to do is come in and shoot the hell out of the ball. Yeah. Um, and so if we were talking Daquan Jeffries, I mean, we're thinking three and D, what, two or three guards? Yeah, kind of hybrids. I mean, I think he could be a three, a little bit on the small side. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's not big enough to talk like you're Robert Covington to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Is Matisse Thibel too big? Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, Thibel is so skinny, though. I mean, he'll, he'll definitely bulk up. Daquan's like a big dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary no. Harris could be an interesting defender for him. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I have someone like on the tip of my tongue for Daquan Jeffries that I've talked about before. I can't remember is right now. Royce O'Neal fitting? That's a good one. Super low usage guy. Yeah. Hmm. He's kind of like a cannonball, like a 6'5 kind of cannonball dude who's just like can't really be moved. I feel like I'm thinking of someone on the Rockets that's not Robert Covington. Uh, are you? I mean, is it P.J. Tucker? Is it... Uh, is it Austin Rivers? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it uh, like end of bench you're thinking? Anything like Chris Clemens or something? Like that's a super small guy. Uh, uh, I I don't know. What, I I think I just think of him as that type of player. Like he could be like a, like any of the um, any of the guys. That, yeah, like any of the end of the end of bench rocket rockets guys. Who's the uh, who are their young guys now? Like they're quote they're like not real young guys, but like they're hypothetically young guys. Here I'm pulling up a. Like a Daniel House type guy. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel House is definitely an interesting one. I could see that. He's got I feel like he frame could, like you're talking. He could just end up at the end of the Rockets bench. I feel like he's, he's that kind of guy. Like, 
not really a three, but like a big two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's uh I think that's all I got here, man. I don't know who else to go through. It's a little bit of a interesting episode, kinda loose and just messing around on this one a little bit. We're gonna get back to our draft profiles, but just something to switch it up a little bit here. Yeah, let me ask you before we head out. Um, did you see my tweet about uh, 2K expansion teams? I'm just uh, I'm I messing did. around again. Did you, let me know if any of those teams, which I, I should go I have to pull with. it up because one did stand out to me. Okay. Everybody was going with the Alaska one just because it was Alaska, I felt like. All yeah, right. I want to – so I, I haven't done this this year in 2K, but with all the downtime – I got the time to start a little expansion league in my league, and mm-hmm. so you um, did the legit expansion, right? Where it's like teams are protecting what eight guys, yeah, from the rest. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, yeah. So you got let's see. There's the Alaska Chill. There's the Vegas Pharaohs, um, which the Vegas one was cool. I wasn't a huge fan of their jerseys. I, I liked the, I, I kind of like the Alaska jerseys. Um, my my favorite was was easily the Montreal though Montreal Monster. Okay, see, I I really like that too, and it got the least amount of votes uh, last night on the poll. But I love the like the the alliteration of Montreal Monsters. Like I think that sounds really yeah. good. On the jersey, they have a monster logo, like the it's energy drink, rad. monster energy drink. That's great. And the, oh. it's mainly the jerseys look the most that. legitimate to me. Like, they look like they could be real NBA jerseys. They feel pretty real. Like, I do love the Alaska chill just because, like, the polar bear, everyone likes polar bears. and Yeah. I love the court. Like, that court looks It feels very like Utah. It, like, it's a cold, like, even the wood is, like, a very light, light brown. It looks like a very cold, like, icebox. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, like, the bear, that's a good... Logo of a bear. It looks cool. The Las Vegas one is like super gaudy, but it fits Las Vegas, so I kind of like that too. Uh, no love for Mexico City. It was it was okay. The jerseys are just too much going on for me. Like whatever they got in the background there, um, it, it's just too much going on for me. Yeah, I think it could be right. I think it is like it's almost too overtly Mexico. Like the colors are like. The Mexican flag, almost. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost a little too on the nose. Like, yeah. I don't know that I'd be super into like the what's the hockey team, the Canadians. It's like a little bit much. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely was jersey focused when I looked through this. And, yeah, the and, jerseys. I like the purple monsters jersey yeah. and the green alternate. Those yeah, all even look on the logo where it says monsters and the M and the S both kind of come towards the middle there. It was so cool that you noticed, like, the Monster logo is, like, the sponsorship. I did not even notice that. Yeah, that is great by that. I think that's that's super, super witty. Do the uh, the Ferris have a Buffalo Wild Wings sponsor? I think that they do. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, the logo looks like it's on the court there, too. That's weird. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I think there's a Vegas Aces on there somewhere that I thought was pretty cool. Right, <clears throat> that's the uh, that's a good hat tip to the WNBA team. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, um, I actually did a draft last night. Between, oh, okay. I I did the max expansion, so I I put all four of these teams in, and I also did a Seattle Sonics and a Vancouver Grizzlies with like the real throwbacks. Okay. Um, and I don't know. We 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 can throw this episode away, but it was it was fun, and I think that they like lowered the amount of protected players in it because there were some decent players in there. But I got a couple of good squads. I, I just kind of it was weird to like go through and try to draft the six teams at once. Once, but uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich was in there as well. He went to the Alaska Chill. Uh, okay. Got some, got some interesting guys. You, you know, real quick, we could. Uh... Maybe this could be its own episode, but it's probably not enough. If you had to um, protect six guys, what, what's the wording? It's not protect. Um, what, what is it? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, if you had to protect, what, six, eight guys on the Sacramento roster, I mean, Fox is the obvious, right? 
Yeah, let's do this to close out the episode. I think that that's a fun mm-hmm. way to close it out. How many you want to go with? Six, eight? Let's go. Let's start with six, and we can go to eight as well. Okay. So clear one is Fox. Fox not going anywhere, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta be. So I think there's an undisputed five best players on this team. Mm-hmm. Fox, Buddy, Bowie, Barnes, and Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think the I, I don't think is, you let Bagley go anywhere. The sixth is Bagley, but also on the argument that like he also has the most potential. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that's for um, six, right? Yeah. And then, I, I mean, I wouldn't put Giles if we were going eight only because you're considering the contract situation where he's probably gone anyways. Right, there's no need to protect him because you've already done everything you can to, like, force him off your team. Mm-hmm. So then, like, who is giving you the most value out of what you got? Bielitsa left, Corey Joseph. Um, you probably go... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, those guys probably jump. Mm-hmm. jump. I mean, would you... If this was this offseason, I mean, you'd have to hold on to your pick, too. The pick, for sure. I'd probably go Bielitsa 7. Mm-hmm. I'd go Bielitsa over Joseph. If you were just thinking, like, you know, even outside of keeping them on the team, like what you would be able to get for them, I think you'd Bielitsa holds more value than Joseph, especially considering the contract he's on. So Bielitsa 7... And then for eight, would you – I guess you just go Corey Joseph eight, and then you you know you've got your point guard. Back or I guess guard. the question is, do you go Corey Joseph or Harry Giles, right? Or Corey Joseph or Justin James, I think. There's oh, yeah. A, there's an argument to be made there. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to – I'll go with Giles eight, and this is our – this is my pitch of, hey, dude, we really like you. We messed up by not taking that option. We're proving to you we really want you around. Um and then he probably walks anyways, but... Yeah, I, I'm with you. If we can do that, I, I'm, I'm happy to keep Giles as eight. There we go. I, I, I don't know that it would even apply like if it were happening this offseason because right. it probably wouldn't let you protect any unrestricted free agents. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, if that's an option, let's, let's go here. There we go, yeah. Um, I think that's all I got, man. That's it. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Uh, You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.